Welcome to the Transparency and Coverage, helping health payers understand the final rule podcast hosted on Future Healthcare Today. I'm your host, Matt Langan. As 2021 draws to a close, transparency is one of the biggest conversations for health payers. In 2022, some requirements of the No Surprises Act and the Transparency and Coverage Rule come into effect. And as payers prepare to meet regulatory deadlines, both near-term and those further out, it's understandable that they might have questions they need answered. And today we are speaking with Dennis Charland, who is the SVP of Sales at Sapphire Digital, which was recently acquired by Zealous. Dennis has previous sales experience at Blue Cross Blue Shield of Massachusetts, and he will provide a closer look at what transparency and coverage means for payers and explore solutions that can help ensure compliance for both this rule and the No Surprises Act. And Dennis, thanks for joining us today. Happy to be here, Matt. Yeah, awesome. Well, let's go ahead and jump right in. So the delivery of the final rule on transparency and coverage has been described as historic. So why is this so significant? Yeah, Matt, there's a lot of reasons, actually. The first piece is that it's actually a convergence of two major pieces of regulation, transparency and coverage, which you mentioned, but also the No Surprises Act. Both are pretty broad, far-reaching, and also have implementation dates that are you know, coming up very quickly. The second piece is is that the transparency and coverage regulation is almost universally focused on the cost of healthcare. So it is very focused in its effort, but it's very broad in its reach. The third piece is that it really gets at kind of that core secret sauce that payers have historically been very protective of, and that is their contracted rates with providers. I guess the fourth piece would be just the sheer size of the regulation. I mean, payers are spending millions and millions of dollars to get up to compliance, and it is a significant lift and effort to do so. And I guess the last piece that makes it historic and significant is the timing. So pretty short timing to comply with the machine-readable files being coming into place 7-1 of 22 and elements of the No Surprises Act going in place as early as one one twenty two. Yeah, those are some tight deadlines there. And let's dive in a little bit deeper, if possible. Can you explain to us what the transparency provisions address and what obligations or responsibilities that these create for payers? Sure. So maybe I can segment them. So specific to transparency and coverage, the contracted rates for all services from payers need to be displayed in machine-readable format, updated monthly with free and unfettered access coming 7-1-22. That is a huge lift. Then 1-1-23, a member-facing internet-based tool needs to be available that would cover the 500 shoppable services described in the regulation that would allow members to see their cost for those services with any applicable cost share, whether it be deductible, co-pays, out-of-pocket maximums, and disclosure of any sort of prerequisites for service, any disclosures around the presence of uh, balance billing potential. All those things are part of the transparency and coverage regulation. On the No Surprises Act, There's provider data accuracy components that protect the member in the event that they see a provider as in-network in a directory, and then they have a service with that provider, and it winds up being out of network. There's protections against balance billing for certain use of providers. The member-facing transparency requirement 
which for the No Surprises Act was delayed to coincide with the Transparency and Coverage Internet-Based Tool, which is 1123. The Advanced EOB, which has been delayed indefinitely at this point, and certain provisions that regulate the ID cards for members on plan. So you can see how broad some of these elements are. Yeah, very much so. There's actually quite a lot to unpack with all of this that you just mentioned here. So let's dive in a little bit more. And can you tell us how can payers meet the transparency requirements of both the No Surprises Act and transparency and coverage? Yeah, I think the most important thing, especially for transparency and coverage, is to think about these as stepping stones. So it starts with the creation of the MRF file. So if you contract your own network, you're obligated to create this MRF file. You'll be given this MRF file if you rent your network. But that is not on its own enough to actually derive cost information to display it to members. So Those MRF files also need to be adjusted to include all of your client employer identification numbers. They also have to represent your HIOS numbers to the extent that you have insured plan offerings and then your plan names. So the MRF data needs to be augmented, first of all. Second of all, it needs to then be combined with a presence of historical claims data to match the MRF cost data to services that are actually performed by the providers. And this is a really, really important element because the MRF data on its own is not sufficient to provide internet-based cost information to a member. And I'll give you one very specific example. An orthopedic surgeon is gonna have MRF cost data in the file for neck, spine, shoulders, knees, hips, ankles, And that orthopedic may only specialize in knees and not do any of those other services. But because they're contracted to perform those services, they're going to be on that MRF file. So it's important as you translate that data into what is going to be usable to a member, you're reflecting the services that the surgeon actually performs in that orthopedic example. So there's a fair amount of modification and enhancement to that MRF data to ultimately make it available to members in compliance with that internet-based tool, but to do it in a way that a member can actually use it. You then have to combine that cost information that you've worked so hard to create with the member-level benefits and their deductible and out-of-pocket maximum accumulations to do a calculation for the member that shows what their cost liability is going to be. And then the last step, which is arguably one of the biggest steps, is actually being able to display that in a user experience that makes it useful and helpful to the member. All those things build on the next steps, and that's really the best way to think about going about compliance with the transparency in coverage regulation. Yeah, that's a great segue into my next question. So how can meeting the transparency and coverage rule help payers come into compliance with portions of the No Surprises Act? Yeah. So Matt, there's a strong connection between the two and many elements. The most significant is the requirement for internet-based tool. The No Surprises Act had that requirement for 1122, but it got delayed until 1123. It was fairly general in its description, whereas the transparency and coverage internet-based tool requirement for member access was very detailed. And so those two are moved much more in line with one another. 
The No Surprises Act also has a lot of protections for members who may accidentally see or unintentionally see an out-of-network provider. So, for instance, if you had a service at an in-network hospital, but it happened to be performed by an out-of-network anesthesiologist or pathologist or radiologist, there are protections for that member from both their cost share liability and also the need to disclose the presence of those situations and the potential of those situations within the internet-based tool itself. There's also a provision in the No Surprises Act called the Advanced EOB. It's pre-service, meaning that either the provider or you, the member, could submit the list of service codes that you're going to need by the providers that are going to be performing those services and get a pre-treatment estimate for how much that service is going to cost. And within that also needs to be included all of the relevant disclosures around services that might need pre-authorization or be subject to medical policy edits. All of those things naturally fit hand-in-hand with the transparency and coverage regulation. And so while they're two separate pieces of regulation, in fact, one is legislation, the other one was built out of an executive order, they do align in some respects. That's great. And, you know, overall, a lot of these regulations seem like they're put into place to benefit members, which is a great thing. But in what ways do you think these regulations can benefit payers? Payers have a real opportunity to differentiate themselves in the realm of member experience with these regulations, just from the internet-based tool alone, but also the protections that are granted under both the No Surprises Act and the transparency in coverage regulation. Member experience can mean a lot of things, but at the end of the day, if a payer can help influence where a member's receiving their care or what type of care they're receiving through the application of these tools and resources, they can really start to demonstrate total cost of care differential, demonstrate an advantage in the market over competitors, but also really drive a positive member experience. And so at the end of the day, you've got a happy member that's driving lower claim costs, that's driving higher health outcomes. You've got a win-win-win. Yeah, that's great. Definitely a win-win-win there. And if you don't mind, tell us, how does Sapphire help align payer goals with member experiences overall? That's a great question. So every aspect of the regulation is a place that Sapphire can help. But we understand that payers are in different places from a compliance perspective and understand that they may have certain components of these regulations all set. And so we've got a real modular solution that can plug in in the places that payers need help. The other place, though, that I think we really bring a significant amount of expertise is translating the regulation into something that's actually going to differentiate the member experience. So I'll go back to my example about that orthopedic who has MRF rate data for you know 15 different body parts when all they really do is operate on knees. And so using the data available to really hone that member experience to only things that are relevant to the services provided by that particular surgeon or provider and that are relevant to the member is really, really important. The regulations on their surface are designed to help members, but if they're deployed only with the information that comes out of them, it has a strong opportunity to mislead members. And again, that example of showing 
all these services that a surgeon doesn't actually perform is going to be at the end of the day misleading. And so honing this data to make it usable, to wrap these costs and these procedures into mini bundles, the way a member thinks about accessing the healthcare system is critically important. Members don't think about a colonoscopy as how much the gastroenterologist or the facility fee or the anesthesiologist fee is going to be. They're thinking about it as in the door, out the door price for this service. How much is it going to cost me? All right, great. Well, Dennis, really appreciate your time today and lots of great insights today. Any parting shots, any final thoughts to share? (laughs) Well, first I'll say we're not done here. The government is likely to continue issuing additional guidance right up and through the implementation dates of these regulations, and they haven't been shy to comment on that. In fact, in a recent webinar, CMS said that they are going to potentially continue changing the file specifications for the MRF file right up into and potentially even through March of 22, which is a little scary to think about. But the other thing that I'd really encourage folks to think about is that these regs should be viewed as stepping stones, as I mentioned before. Each piece leads to the next. And it's really, really important to think about it that way, because if you just think about them as bite-sized elements, then you're going to miss important steps. So if you think about MRF and not think about the way it actually leads to cost and not think about the way that the cost then leads to the benefits, then you're really going to miss important aspects of the experience and not maximize the delivery of an optimal member experience to your members. All right, great. What a great conclusion to the Transparency and Coverage, Helping Health Payers Understand the Final Rule podcast hosted on Future Healthcare Today, where Dennis Sharlin, who is the SVP of Sales at Sapphire Digital, which was recently acquired by Zealous, helped us to really take a closer look at what transparency and coverage means for health payers and explore solutions that can help ensure compliance for both this rule and the No Surprises Act. And Dennis, thank you so much for your time today. Thanks, Matt.